Welcome to Healing Lives with Corey Gilbert, a podcast sponsored by the Healing Lives Center. Discover how to love and lead your family well and biblically. God created sex, marriage, and the family for our stewardship, growth, and benefit. My heart and passion is to teach, train, educate, and disciple Christians that want strong marriages and families. The Healing Life Center has been serving Christians since the year 2000. Its mission is to be a center for sex, trauma, and marriage education and transformation, where we offer counseling, coaching, courses, and speaking services to you, your church, or ministry. Check us out at HealingLives.com. Welcome to the Healing Lives with Corey Gilbert podcast. My name is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and today I'm interviewing and having a conversation with Charity Perenzin. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, man, I'm so excited. I know we've, we've talked beforehand, so this is going to be a great conversation. Yes, I'm looking forward to this, and this is one that parents especially, uh, we need to pay attention to. So tell me a little bit about you, what you do, um, and why this is so important right now today. Well, my name is Charity, and uh, 10 years ago, I started an organization called the America Unchained Project. Mm -hmm. It's a project that's largely media-based and live presentation-based. And what we started doing, what we've done for 10 years, is we educate certain frontliner groups on how to recognize human trafficking victims on the job. So like med medical professionals, law enforcement officers, teachers. We expanded that into uh, basically city leadership, civic leaders, organizational leaders. A lot of them will attend as well. Um, and in addition to that, now we train teachers and parents on how to protect kids from being groomed online and in person. Ooh. So you're, you're on the front lines. Yes. And you're, you're training others on the front line. Yeah. Yeah. To, you said recognize grooming uh, behaviors online. And you said also yeah. like on the set. So what do you mean on the set? Well, what I mean is like on, on the job. So when they're the on job. the job, no matter where their job takes them, human trafficking, if it's, if, how do they recognize a victim? Like how do they recognize a victim in the clinic or how do they recognize a victim in the classroom? Mm -hmm. um, some of these kids are being exploited, even though maybe some folks wouldn't call that sexual, uh, you know, sex trafficking. It actually yep. all of this kind of smooshes together into one big hot yucky mess so whether they're being exploited or trafficked we re we uh, basically condition them to recognize the signs of that so they know the proper pro protocol to fo follow and who to call and how to help these kids so important so important yes because it's amazing how many teachers and even um educators doctors don't see what's right in front of them they, they misread a hundred percent and i know as a uh as a doctor yourself someone who works in psychology you 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 get that you're like once you lift the veil, so many dominoes fall into place for them. They're just like, oh my gosh, I see it now. I didn't see it before, but I see it now, you know, and that's how this job is. A lot of folks seeing what they never saw before at, in real time as we're training them, um, you know, patients flooding back to their memory, students flooding back to their memory. And they're like, oh my gosh, I've seen that. I've, I've recognized that. Oh my gosh, that's been in my clinic. Like I didn't know. One girl actually was crying when she told me that. I felt so, I said, sweetheart, you can't go back in time. It's about today forward. We're going to be empowered. We're going to go out of here with hope and empowerment. We, there is no shame in not knowing what you didn't know. So right. from here, so don't okay. judge your past, right? We got to move forward and we're going to be empowered instead of defeated, you know? But yeah, it's been a, it's been very powerful over the years to see recognition and even have people sometimes double back and say, you know, a, X amount of time after I took your training, yep. somebody walked in my clinic and I was able to report it. 
Love that. So important. So then what got you into this kind of work? This is a very unique niche. It is. And so important. It is. So um, for those of you that know the Lord, you, you know, uh, it, it's <laughs> it's not always your plan. Like yep. you're like, I'm a, I'm a, I've been a professional actor for over 30 years. Oh, I wow. turned into a media producer and a script Sweet. doctor where I help doctor scripts or write you know, rough drafts of scripts. It's my, that's really my world. I love it. I'm incredibly entrepreneurial. Short version is when I was 19, I took a missions trip to Nepal and, and Thailand, Thailand. We were there just a couple of days. We didn't really do a lot of ministerial work, but as I was driving to our hotel uh, with my team in Thailand, we passed a brothel. Now, keep in mind, I'm 19. That's important to remember because when we passed this brothel, I remember saying, those girls are so young. So at 19 years old, I was seeing kids younger than me, clearly being bought and sold. And it was so, it is so impressed on me that it, it was something I always remembered, but uh, I always thought of it as over there, mm -hmm. uh, far, far away. So Fast forward about um, probably 18 years, but I was, I think 36, 37, I was asked to become a liaison between a human trafficking organization and a group down in Los Angeles that wanted to raise money. Mm -hmm. And when I was talking with them over this process, I said, well, where's the money going to go? And the, and that's super important. Donors need yeah. to know where the money's going to go. And the, and the organization was like, I don't, I don't know, because if a lot of money comes in, like I, we've never had to budget that much. So I, I came up with the proposal so that the producers in Los Angeles would understand where the money was going to go. Mm -hmm. And one of the top things I put on there after interviewing the person who was the expert in human trafficking, I said, well, who can actually grab these kids? Like who can grab these kids? Well, first of all, he had to educate me that, well, you know, this happens like literally in our town. I lived in Seattle. He's like, I can literally drive you to hotels where this is happening. 24 hours a day. And I was like, what? No, it happens in Thailand. You know, it happens in Mexico. He was like, no. So I said, well, who can take these kids? Like who can grab these kids and rescue them? Cause I can't walk. I'm not going to with my three little kids knock on the door and say, get in my van. I'm driving away from here. Nor would they be a, not afraid. He said, well, policemen, teachers, and um, medical professionals. They are mandated reporters. They're folks who can help these kids. These kids are under their radar all the time. And sometimes they're walking in the door and they just don't know. So I created in that proposal, a concept of creating media online that people could access to learn these things in those three professions. Nice. That event never happened. Oh, oh no. And I was like, well, that was a lot, 300 hours of my time, Lord. <laughs> I'm going to call that a tithe of time and move on with my life. And I, uh, an atheist Jewish friend took me to lunch one day and said, Hey, whatever happened to that human trafficking thing? And I said, I explained it fell through. He said, well, what on that list did you think was the most important thing? I said, well, the first thing was these online classes. I explained it to him and he slides a check across the table and he says, my wife and I believe in this idea. It will be hard. It's not sexy. It's not glamorous. His words, it's not dramatic, but it makes the most sense. And we believe in you and we want you to still go for it. Wow. And it wasn't this ginormous amount of money. I mean, it was to me because I had $0 <laughs> yeah. my industry. It was like, and he knew, he said, this is literally like putting a couple of bucks in the, in, in your coffer. Cause I know how expensive media is. Yeah. He said, but I don't want you to give up on this. And I started to tear up and cry and 
mm-hmm. for two reasons. Number one, I was blown away. Mm-hmm. And number two, I really didn't want to start a not-for-profit. <laughs> yes. I was like, no, I just want to help someone who does this. I want them to pay me. I'll pay, you know, I'll, I work cheap, but I just, you know, I'll, I'll work for cheap. I just don't want to be in charge. So I go home and tell my husband and I'm like, what am I supposed to do? As I'm like holding up this check with this expression of clear despair on my face. Yeah. He said, I think that means you're supposed to do it. Oh. And I was Ah, man. <laughs> so I'm going to be very honest with that story. That is how God sometimes works in my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what he showed me was we all have a skill. Mm-hmm. We all have an area of influence and we all have the capability to play a part. He did not call me to go back and get my PhD and work with survivors. He mm-hmm. did not call me to open up an aftercare center and run it. He no. did not call me to become a teacher, law enforcement offer, officer, or medical professional. He called me to use my media skill in nice. the writing arena and knowing how to pull a crew together and knowing how to make things make sense, yeah. how to make things clear. And he said, that is what you're called to do. Do what you can do. And that was like, yeah, the beginning of 10 years. And it, every time I do it, it just still surprises me. Like, I'm just like, Lord, I'm just so blessed. And, and I would say by now I've interviewed so many experts and done so much research. I, I myself have become an expert, what they would call an expert, right. but I pay such honor to those folks who are, who are really in the trenches yeah who are really helping these kids through the aftercare process, who are really down in, 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 in the, in the darkest, seediest places, because I am not called to be there. My, my spirit, my soul would be broken if I did their job, but they can't do my job. So we're a team, but I've come to, to realize, you know, guys, that's why we're the body of Christ. We can't all be found. (laughs) Yeah. So it's a long story, but sort of important to like this whole setup. Well, it makes me think of, so the movie right now that everyone's been watching, if you haven't seen it, go see it. Sound of Freedom portrays human trafficking. And um, I've heard friends of mine go away from that and go, I can't, I was mad the whole movie. I wanted to go hurt people. I wanted to go break things. Oh yeah. That's not helpful. No, no. But but it's natural. It's natural. I cried from the beginning of the movie till 30 minutes after the movie. I couldn't stop crying. No. And so it's like, we have different responses, but I think people are going, now what? What do I do? Yes. Many yes. People, like if some fr- certain friends of mine I'm thinking of, if they were to go try to um, rescue, they would kill everyone around. Like they would. Yeah. yeah. They'd be so angry. <laughs> yes. They because... can't control that to do good in the, especially when you think of the legal system and all the stupid yeah. hoops you have to jump oh. through. So. And some people would say, I don't even care, you right. know, I, but. I think that. I think that's coming from a place of righteous anger. Yes, I do. It says, be angry and sin not, right? So, so God, what do we do with that? What do we do with this exceptionally righteous anger? These, these innocent children who are being absolutely just tortured every yep. day. And, and the, the answer is do what you're called to do. And I know that's vague. We'll get specific here in a second. Yep. I'm a media producer. I'm an actor. I'm a writer. I'm now an advocate. I'm a researcher. I am an, you are an expert now. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if I, this is like, if I showed you the 20 books I've actually gone through for my next, the next thing, which is a precursor to all this, um, that we're creating on how to keep kids from being vulnerable in the first place, because Mm -hmm. you have to realize the kids that are being sexualized, the kids that are being swept into this life, they are middle America kids. 
They are everyday little kids, your kids go to school with, and this culture is creating the perfect storm for them to be sexually exploited. They're just picked out. They know. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's fish in a bear. I mean, it's not even funny. Like, I mean, and, and, and I think the church has this, this movie is waking the church up. They're waking the lions up. Like it's, it's someone said, don't, it's, there's no time to wake the sheep, just wake the other lions. And that's really what's Mm-hmm. so so we're waking the lions we're not waking the sheep I, no offense i don't have time to deal with the sheep like i i'm not here for the sheep i'm gonna let the shepherd handle them but those of us that are lions we're like ready to do it but i would i would encourage anyone who has righteous anger to focus that holy anger yes and into your praying and saying where's my part um, what do i do i'm gonna for every every time i'm just wanting to like kick my freaking tires and punch a stranger in the face because they look suspicious. I mean, it happens. I'm going to say, no, Lord, show me today what I'm supposed to do. And it could be praying. You guys, these kids need a Holy spirit covering over their lives as they're still in this storm. And we don't know where they're at, but it's, it's akin to me praying for my, my boy's future spouse. I don't know where these women are at. Mm -hmm. I don't know what they're living through right now. I know that by the grace of God, I hope they're being protected. Like my kids are being protected, but I'm like, Jesus, I don't know these women. I don't know these girls. So I'm just going to pray for them. That's what you need to do first. The second part I would encourage anyone to do is say, what can I do really well? And if you're like, I'm just a carpenter. Well, first of all, our Lord was a carpenter. So you're in great company. (laughs) He changed the globe for all eternity. So well done. But if they're like, I'm just a carpenter, I'm just a plumber, I don't know how to rescue these kids. We'll find an organization in town that already works with foster kids. That is a mm-hmm. huge feeder into the human trafficking. Mm. Foster kids, maybe they serve unwed mothers. Maybe they serve um, a crisis pregnancy center. You have to realize all of these groups are very vulnerable to being trafficked. Whether uh, even if it's already a human trafficking aftercare and say, I'm a plumber. I'm a carpenter. Mm-hmm. I'm a house cleaner. I'm a grandma. Yep. I don't know what kind of volunteers you need, but I just want you to know if you ever need a few things done, or I have maybe 10 hours, I can dedicate 10 hours of time. Do you need anything fixed around here? Nice. Do you need me? Do you need someone to do this? You guys, that is huge. That is huge for them. That saves them time and energy of having to pull away from what they do to deal with that. It, it, it even, you know, it's just that it's that simple. If you're, if you're someone who sews or, or makes quilts, you pray as you're making those quilts and you say, God, who am I taking these quilts to? And maybe you take them to what's called a safe house mm-hmm. or an organization that runs a safe house. And you say, hey, I just wanted to make these like little quilts that you can wrap around yourself in the morning for these girls when they show up. I just wanted to make these things and I just want them to feel loved and honored. My church sponsored the material. I sponsored the time. How many do you need? Well, it may take us a while, but we're going to get them done for you this year. And they may say, oh my gosh, we need 10. And they're okay. We're going to figure out how to get you 10 by Christmas. Like those things feel like it's not that big a deal, but you guys don't understand if everyone played their part those things add up so quickly and the other the other organizations their resources won't be drained out their time won't be distracted their money won't be spent on plumbing instead someone's going to come fix it yes and you have honored the kingdom of god by by really serving the least of these these orphaned abandoned harmed children 
and, and you will leave feeling rewarded, but you don't have to go, you don't have to go learn separate skills. Right. Everyone's skill is valuable. Even just praying. I, I can't tell you how often in my life I have completely underestimated praying and it's so important and valuable. And yeah, that would, that would be what I would start with. And then we can get more nitty gritty on the specifics. Yeah. And where you're starting, but the starting point, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head of you have a gifting, you have a um, set of tools. God may call you in a different direction. That's fine. He'll prepare you for that when he's ready, but with what you have right now, do it and and do it intentionally finding an organization. You mentioned pray, finding an organization. Um, Where can a person find an organization? How do they find a place to plug in? Excellent question. So I would say wherever you live, whether, you know, I live in, I live in a quasi rural area, but I can get to a town of about 70,000 people. So what I would do is I would punch in either foster care slash wherever your town is Mm -hmm. pregnant crisis, pregnancy center slash wherever your town is or human trafficking organization and find out where your town, your, what they're doing. There's often task forces, task forces. I'm going to be very opinionated here uh, based on experience. They, a lot of task forces, um, leadership is key. If it's a bureaucratic sort of task force, it's exhausting. Like but, you the police department, I'm assuming. Yeah, it's a ta- yeah, it's its own like uh, usually organization within a town that wants to do something positive, but they're gathering like communal leaders. But every time I've been involved in one, there's always like three people who really are driving something, meaning they have their own organization and they attend the task force meeting. And they're the drivers and everyone else just likes to ruminate and discuss it. Like it's a university class. And I'm just, there are times I'm literally like, there's no call to action here. There's nothing for me to participate in. But if you read the task force members, that will often lead you to the organizational leaders in your town that are doing something. And that's really why I would go to the task force page is to say, oh, I didn't know there was a safe house here. This guy runs a safe house an hour and a half away. I'll see what they need. So sometimes those task force members, it's less to be a part of the task force than to find out what organizations. Yeah. Yeah, People love to get together and and talk and disagree and- pontificate on come up with ideas that don't ever happen and <laughs> yeah find the doers find right. the doers absolutely absolutely because as a doer you're already reaching out to help that means you're a doer too and it will frustrate you like you know talking about something i can do that like once and then if by the second meeting there's not some sort of progress i have a lot to do so i'm i'm just going to bow out politely because i'm like hey I'm, you know, I don't have time for a Kiwanis club sort of thing. Like I've got to like, you know, help you in some way Mm -hmm. or you can help me in some way, or I've kind of got to go, you know? And I think that's most of us. I think most of us are that way. And I don't want to dog on task force. Again, I think it has so much to do with the leadership. I've heard of some that are unbelievable. They are driven people. They weed out the people. Yeah. They weed out. Yeah. They, they've already wet out, weeded out the, the folks who really are there to just discuss and talk and make, make it a bureaucratic thing. They have, as leaders, they've, they've weeded that out already. And so I, you may live 
guys, whoever's listening, you might live by a phenomenal task force. And I say, go for it. But for a lot of it, it's just more to find out who's in leadership and contact them directly. Okay. How did you get in talking with teachers and doctors? Excellent question. So my husband's a physician assistant okay. and every year he has to go to uh, CME or, or in the teaching world at CE continuing education mm-hmm. credit. And I went with him just to go with him because we had like airline miles and he got a free hotel. So I was like, well, I can basically go for the cost of my food. Let's do it. So yeah. I had kids and we never went, we never went anywhere. <laughs> yes. And um, that's just how it is. It's expensive. Yep. Like, how expensive is this trip? No. Um, but, and we lived in Seattle, so forget about it. So we, I would go and I would kind of just hang out. And one day they had this, uh, they, they said anyone could submit for a continuing education credit. Uh, and, it, and, it, and I read through the requirements cause I thought, well, I'm not a doctor. And, um, I, I realized you don't have to be a doctor, although if a doctor is attached and a doctor was attached at the time to our lecture, I had created the lecture through, you know, you have to cite all your sources. That should be standard, I think, for any lecture anyone gives. But, you know, I had all my sources cited. I had everything ready to go. And I was like, well, let me present it. Well, they denied me. But you were allowed to go and protest or, or just ask, can, yeah. you, can you help me next time? I just want to learn what I did wrong. So I went, I signed up for that. And she was like, I don't know why you were turned down. If I'm being perfectly frank, let's talk about that. And right. she got me approved for the next year and then simultaneously started introducing me to colleagues. So that is really what happened. And that very first year in order to get in the door to get that real good seal of approval, I called a doctor friend of mine who has worked in human trafficking for a long time. And I said, can you give this presentation? I'll get you here. Um, You can take the stipend they offer. I'm I'm not interested in that. I just need to get on that stage and tell these people what's going on and educate them. And he, he was so humble about it. He was so sweet about it. He, and um, he said, I will absolutely do that. I will, I will be there. And he flew in from San Francisco and was phenomenal. He got 45 minutes and I mean, he was really phenomenal and um, he's very, very good. And, and he was so kind because he Mm -hmm. said, Charity, this is your research. Like, this is your stuff. I'm like, don't care. You just open your mouth and you say it. And that's all I need. I need someone to just be my voice piece. And ever since then, it's been very easy to get them to work. If I'm honest, it's like, you get the kind of approval from someone who vets your research. He's very picky. I mean, this wasn't like a nonchalant guy. He's like, I'll vet everything. I'll make sure everything's kosher. If I have any questions, I'll let you know if I have any concerns about your citing. And he had none. So um, yeah, that's how it started. Yeah. And that's the medical. What about education? So education, it sort of started by word of mouth. A lot of times when you do kind of communal um, education Mm -hmm. for like YWCA, you know, hundred people will come up or 50 to hundred people show up and they're from everywhere. And then you start having people walk up and they're like, I think you should present this information to my school or so I don't, I'll be honest. I don't do teachers quite as much as I do medical. I think once you get in that medical world, people kind of hear, they go to the lecture and hear you. They tell their friends about it. They tell their colleagues, but with the teaching, you know, I've approached different schools um, and I've even tweaked some of my stuff because in the sense of like, what's your need? You know, if they're like, well, we're a really fancy, fancy school. Nobody could possibly be trafficking their kids here. And I'm like, okay, well, do you, are your kids ever on the internet? Uh (laughs) And they're like, well, sure. (laughs) What does that have anything to do with 
human trafficking. I'm like, do you have five minutes? And then if they get me on the phone, if I can talk to them for five minutes, they start to connect the dots very clearly. And I'm like, this isn't a, this isn't meant to scare anyone. This is meant to empower people. And then those teachers have the opportunity to start seeing signs of maybe suicidality, depression, and things that lead kids into just doing desperate things because they don't feel loved. You know, that's really what this boils down to. These kids have no sense of identity. And, and when I say kids, guys, I'm not saying like a group of kids. I'm saying all children who, who live half of their life on the internet, which is most children today, right? they have such an absence, a void of identity and purpose. Yep. They have, and, and, and even though that's the puberty is that wrestling through purpose anyway, yep. um, it is, it oh my gosh, we've sucked all the possibility of them. And then, and then I tell someone any blank you leave unfilled that Satan will come and fill that in as soon as you let him reach it. Yes. You fill in every blank for your kid. You can even if every open blank is Jesus, like I, don't, <laughs> yes. when I grow up, I want to be Jesus, you know, <laughs> like Jesus, just put like Jesus in every blank, you know, today I feel like Jesus, you know, like just fill it <laughs> in and teach your kid. Like my identity is in Christ. So whenever I don't know how I feel or why I feel though, just say what your goal is, is to be like Jesus. What my purpose in life is to be like Jesus. What I want to feel like today is like Jesus, like, and how does he feel? how do you think Jesus feels today? Gosh, I don't know. Like, how do you think he feels about you? I don't know. Let me tell you what the word of God says, because it's eternal and everlasting. And when we die and cross over, because we're in eternity now, we don't cross into eternity. We've been in eternity since the day where you were conceived. Mm -hmm. When we cross through that veil, that thin veil into the the purely spiritual world, the word didn't die. The word is forever. So what God's word says about you today is what it says about it for eternity. Yep. When kids really start grasping that, but when the world is filling their soul, these teachers start to realize, and, and it's so heartbreaking, you guys, when there's public school teachers who cannot share the gospel and they're watching their students spiral into such identity crisis and depression, suicidality. Um, but if you can just learn some skills and bring it, I'll be really frank. When you learn the science behind the mind and how it responds to all these cultural influences we allow mm-hmm. on kids, you're bringing science to the table. Yeah. Educators love science. God is science. If it's true, if it's true science, mm-hmm. wishy-washy junk, they tell you is science, but yeah, God is truth. And science is, is, should be the seeking of truth. So when you bring science that backs up how the mind is developed, the developmental mind, all these things that, you know, pour into changing and altering how our kids' brains are working right now, you know, you can bring that science and data. You can even be a voice without ever saying Jesus Christ. You can be a voice of truth that is backed up by literal brain scans of children who are suffering from these things, you know. And we can start to set boundaries in our kids' lives that are not only healthy, but are going to keep them protected and, and their identity protected for a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny what you, what this connected to me was, if you think of that school you mentioned, that's kind of the higher end or upper, upper class. Oh, sure. um, and, oh, this doesn't happen here. Well, it is happening with, if you think of, again, this is where my mind went, human trafficking yeah. A little broader, we are trafficking kids into the trans agenda. Yeah. We're trafficking kids. We are at, if parents don't address this sooner, and I 
the words I kind of say is they tend to hear, to believe the first voice they hear. I don't, that's not necessarily true, but if you're speaking first, yep. then they actually have something to compete when they hear something at school. If yep. they hear stuff at school and they've never heard it from you, what else are they supposed to believe? Amen. So that's that filling in the blanks you just mentioned, but our kids are being lost from this gender ideology that is just, it's giving them options, but it's destroying their soul and their bodies for that matter. It's absolutely killing them. And, and again, go back to the why. Yeah. It's all the same demonic mess. Yep. It, it, it is, what is their identity? Well, when your identity is in sex and Kinsey and sexuality, which you would, yep. Listeners may not know what that term means. I, I don't suggest doing a deep dive into Albert Kenzie unless you really have the stomach for it, because he was beyond. He was a perverted, yeah. demonized man who was called a scientist, and he used pedophiles to do experiments on children to prove uh, uh, demonic points about sexuality that are that are absolutely untrue. Yeah. That's my cap. <laughs> That's my little. Very well said. Very I don't well know said. how else to put it in a delicate way. But um, I teach that, a whole class on Kinsey, so that's, a, oh, that's very well said. Oh, see, now that I know that, Corey, we're going to have another conversation okay. <laughs> because it, to know that his teaching has been slowly being infiltrated into schools since the fifties yep. um, is why this transgenderism is even here. And these kids, again, it goes back to identity. If our identity is in Christ, really, and and the thing is, is if we send our kids to public school, and I'm sorry, friends, I, this is my soapbox. To be indoctrinated and discipled by the world on a level of perversion that is satanic. Yes. We can't all we can't think we can undo all of that in the hour we've chosen to sort of spend time with them after school, driving them around to all their activities. It's never going to undo all the lies that they're being thrown into. It's just, it's just not realistic. And, and I was raised by a single mom. I went to public school. I have so much empathy, but I think God is opening alternative doors to keep kids safe. Yep. But, but going back to what we were talking about with human trafficking and in the internet, another thing that people need to really, really wrap their heads around mm -hmm. is your child can be on their bed with a tablet and be being trafficked. And here's what I mean by that. Yep. Um, they're on newest social media platform. I'll say TikTok because I don't know. I'm sure there's 12 other ones, but they're on TikTok and someone befriends them and they think, oh, this is someone from a school. They're a friend of a friend. Sidebar, a friend of a friend is a stranger, but they're a friend of a friend. Yeah. And his name's Johnny. And he told me he saw me at this event and he thinks I'm super cute. And they start, you know, they give each other their phone numbers and now they're texting back and forth. Well, Johnny, this generation thinks that dating is texting. Yep. And that sending each other lucid, uh, scandalous pictures is a first kiss. Uh. They will never necessarily meet in person and they will never necessarily even do things with each other physically, like hold hands, but they will think they're dating. Yep. It is beyond me to wrap my head around it, but that's really what they think. So here they are, they're on their bed. They're just being a normal teenager. Then all of a sudden this Johnny kid, who's actually a 40 year old perv in a basement is contacting them and they don't know they're just kids yep. and you're not checking up on them. Listen, we need some really busybody grandmas to just come mm -hmm. and dwell in us as moms and dads and just get in the kids business because they don't deserve adult level privacy, sure. but they're given adult level privacy in their bedroom with their phone. And all of a sudden Johnny convinces her after several weeks of grooming her, she doesn't know she's been groomed. Yeah. 
She thinks she's in love with the stranger she's ever met because he's got a cute picture and he sends her random pictures off of Facebook that match up because you can steal anyone's identity. And all of a sudden he asks for a, a, a picture and it goes from there. And as soon as that person, Johnny, has enough on the other end to then threaten and exploit this child, mm-hmm. they will. It may be the first picture. It may be the 10th picture. But then they'll say, you better give it to me or I will send this to your parents. And they will show a screen grab of mm-hmm. your parent, your contact information, your Instagram, so that your child now knows that they are about to be told, told on. shamed, embarrassed. They're like, we'll blast it to your entire friends list and they'll show the friends list and that they can do it. Mm -hmm. So this kid starts to do whatever is asked of them out of sheer panic and shame. Yep. And it goes from there. So then they sell these pictures, these pictures on the internet. One third of all websites on the internet are pornography, Mm -hmm. at least contain pornography. One third, it is massive business. So This is where a child can be in their own room and be sexually exploited and trafficked. Mm -hmm. Even if physically they're not being, I'm trying to say this delicately, um, utilized, we'll say, I don't know who's listening, like kids could be walking through the room. You, everybody gets where I'm going there. They are soul and their mind is being sexually abused. And this is the most traumatizing thing. And unless they have the wherewithal and bravery to go to their parents and say, this is what I did. I'm so sorry. Please help me, which is very rare. Um, Very, 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 it has happened, but it's very rare. It's usually months and years down the road. Some kids commit suicide. Their parents can't figure it out. And they start scrolling through, they get depressed. They get anxious. Maybe they finally tell their doctor or their, you know, psychologist, but we have to understand there are two sides to that human trafficking online. There's the sicko who's going for your kid in their bedroom and getting the pictures from them. Mm-hmm. And let's say your kid's smart enough to stay away from all that. Let's say your kid is smart enough to never be exploited. Let's say they were told a stranger of a stranger is a, 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 a friend of a friend is a stranger and they stay away. Okay. The time will come where your child's going to see porn. And if we're not talking to our kids about how to handle that, they're going to look at porn. Friends, porn isn't like your grandma's porn, Once Upon a Time in Playboy, which by the way, Playboy, sidebar, Hugh Hefner, was a protege of Alfred Kenzie. Look it up. And funder. And a funder. So he was a disturbing man who made pedophilia. He, He photographed Brooke Shields naked at 10 and people called it art, the most disturbing thing in the world, but I won't go down that rabbit trail, but all these things are yes. can, like Satan has, is not dumb. Yep. He's defeated, but he's not dumb. So I say that to say, let's say my, you know, your son or daughter sees porn and they start regularly paying for or watching porn on a regular basis. And they're advertised to, now we know that's heartbreaking and disturbing. And I want to have compassion here, mm-hmm. but this industry This human trafficking, child pornography industry does not care if your child is the one in the pictures or the one looking at the pictures. They make money either way. Parents have got to realize that when you look at pornography or your child looks at child, any pornography, you are funding human trafficking. And that is something that as believers, if you've ever struggled with pornography, I'm not here to shame you. But if nothing will jar you out of that habit, know that you are literally buying children, literally buying them. 
And I would know that my friends who have maybe struggled with that in the past, if they knew they were purchasing kids, they were funding an industry that purchases millions of children a year to exploit them online. If nothing else motivates them to stop, that should motivate you to stop. Mm -hmm. And even one of the trends right now in some places is, is the porn ethically sourced? Oh my Lord. No such thing, friends. I know, but that's, they're trying to, just like they're trying to make pedophilia a map, a minor attracted person, another orientation. This has all been it, going on since the fifties. This it is not absolutely has. And and once upon a time, I remember someone, I remember someone in human trafficking about four years ago saying that to me, you know, they're just going to add a pedophilia onto this. Yep. And I was like, mm, that's a little far-fetched. Okay. And then I started studying Albert Kinsey and then I started seeing it happen. I'm like, oh my gosh, we've arrived. Do you ever wonder guys, which you shouldn't like, again, I wanted to sidebar this. Bef- this could you could consume your life learning about human trafficking, child pornography, and all these things. That is not of God. He is, he is hope and light. Yeah. He is, you know, whatever is righteous, whatever is holy, think on these things. Mm-hmm. He is a he is a protective, jealous God. We do not want to go into dark places unless you know that Holy Spirit has equipped you to do that. Mm-hmm. Yes. So what I always tell people is learn how to help. Learn how to be empowered, but you do not have to deep dive because not only will you get angry, you will get sick to your stomach. Right. It will grieve your soul so bad you will you will be ill. And I mean, for weeks and months, I started having nightmares when I just started reading survivor stories and God told me to stop. Mm-hmm. I'm not equipped to do that. I'm not called to do that. However, we should recognize, we should be educated. And I'm, and, and I'm not the only organization who does this, but I am. I have been asked to, to speak to non-Christian universities because they said my talk was the only one that didn't trigger people because I don't go nitty gritty. I don't show pictures. I I'm like, why would I do that? That is not of God. I I hold myself in a place of God and I value the people I'm talking about. I should not just use them like a kind of exploitive pictures just to get some sort of shock jock factor. Mm -hmm. But I say this to say, learn enough to be actionable, but -hmm. don't learn so much that you, you are, uh, this is your life in this, in, in such a bad way, because God is a God of hope and we want to keep God with us. And when you start to feel hopeless, you've left him somewhere. So go run back to him and say, Whoa, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. This is this whole topic overwhelms me, God, what's going on. Hmm. And he, he will guard your heart. And so, but, but I do think we have to be aware of what pornography really is. We don't need to go look at pornography guys to know that it's evil. Yeah. Let's not go look at a bunch of pornography and go, Oh, now I see your point. Like we just need to know, but, but I also need to point out, you know, I want to say 93% of all porn shows a violent act towards a woman. Porn yeah. is not normal. There's nothing ethical about porn. There's nothing normal about porn. And if we as Christians, and I, I know that's not what your point was, Corey, but like when we as Christians are justifying the sin in our lives because it has a hold on us, we have got to stop and repent. Yeah. And and seek help and be honorable to, to the purity of mind that God is calling us to. Mm-hmm. It, it's, protecting kids starts with being honest with yourself. Yeah. How often am I staring at my phone? How often am I on social media? How yeah. often am I spending three hours a day doctoring a picture so it looks good? How often am I doing this? How often am I ignoring my kids? How often am, am I not, you know, watching them? You guys, I am 
the most guilty in some of those cases because I justified it because my job was so media centric and God dealt with me on it. And I, I am not going back to the person I was, I was so distracted as a parent. And now that I advocate for children, I can't go tell you to do something that <laughs> I'm not willing to do. I am, would be such a hypocrite. So I, I have, I know we talked about this, Corey, but there are online classes that, that will be below wherever Corey uh, posts this, but that you can take to learn step-by-step step how to guard your kids. But the number one thing is know who's contacting them and what they do online. That includes their phone, who is texting them. You guys, this isn't about, someone said, I want to give my kid privacy. I don't think it's really fair that they don't have privacy. They're 14. They do not deserve adult level privacy. They have not a fully developed frontal lobe, friends. They don't understand. And I'm sorry, they don't. They don't understand. Nope. You have what they nope. don't. Yep. Like you, you're dealing from a totally different place in life than them. Secondly, a doctor put it this way. He said, okay, you want to exchange media as in private. Then you tell your daughter or son, whatever it is they want to send their friend to take it with a real camera, to print it on your printer, to drive it to their friend's house, to take it inside <laughs> the house, to show their friend the picture and then burn it in the fireplace. That's privacy. And he is completely, completely correct. Yeah. There's no such once you and guys, another reason to kind of get a little in your children's business is if God forbid someone's in the girl's bathroom at school and they take a picture of a, a friend under the stall and they think that's so funny, right? And they are like sending it to buddies at school, he 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 tee he he, and your kid gets that picture, wasn't a part of it at all. Yep. Your child has child pornography on their phone. Yep. And under the law. They don't see it as different. So you need to teach them. There's a yeah. great book called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. Oh, love that book. Oh, so Favorite. good. Yeah. Oh, so good. There's not one, there's not one counselor, especially in a, especially who deals with pornography that's like, that's the best book. You've got to read it to your kids. But well, just, I've had it on, yeah, I had that on my kids' shelves since they were little. Oh, it's so good. It would just pop up and they'd read it or they'd ask a question, we'd put it off the shelf. And it was such a great, simple. I don't really like the junior one. It wasn't didn't I like the 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 one she wrote in the in the beginning. Um, that was more. That was less like for little kids. Yeah, because even yeah. even for little kids, I say they need to understand good pictures, bad pictures, but also the whole mind, simple mind. My my son one time was outside, um, probably six years old, and I was like, Blaze, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, my son's name is Blaze. He said, Dad. My thinking brain says, my, my feeling brain says I want to go across the street to the park, but my thinking brain says I'll get in trouble. You're like, wow. From that book, from the that... thinking brain, feeling brain. I was like, Blaze, you just earned your neuroscience degree. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> How many of us don't separate those two things? Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's the thing about like being a parent. We we sometimes have separated our gut yep. from the culture that's telling us to kill the gut. Yep. Like they're like, don't listen to that. Just listen to us. You know, it's such a Beelzebub thing. Right. And we're just like, but you know, my friends are going to be offended if I don't feel this way. And I just really love my friends. Well, who do you love better? Your friends or your kids? I've lost friends, lost friends over the sexualization of children over yeah. the transgender, like androgyny. Um, I've lost friends because when my boys were little, they were dudes and I raised them to be dudes. They're mm -hmm. three very different men. 
Um, they're 16, 14, and 10. They're, they're so mm-hmm. different. It's beyond me how God can like stick you in a family. And you're like, yes. like, let's figure this out. Yeah. Um, but like they're dudes. And when they would see like friends who would let their boys dye their hair pink and wear kind of androgynous clothes and, and they would be like, they're just super artistic. And I just would, tr- I would hold my tongue. I didn't want to embarrass the kid, but I was literally like, you know, I'm a professional artist, right? But my walk with Jesus trumps everything. And that's the culture. And these were Christian friends. I needed that as a caveat. These are all Christian friends. These are not non-believers. Non-believers, they're sinners, not yet saved by grace. We get it. But I'm like, "Mm, I have a problem with that. And there were some friends we had to choose to disassociate with because of the, the, the feelings, right? The feelings that were guiding and they were allowing their children to make decisions that were 20 years too soon. Yeah. And I was like, this is an unsafe thing. When you let your children choose these things and you are supportive of it because the culture tells you you should be, what what down the road are you going to justify as normal? Because we don't want normal kids. We want healthy kids. Yeah. And this brings up a really important important point of a, a book I just read that really um, captivated my, my attention on the social transitioning. So many parents, and I've changed my mind on this completely over the last just two weeks. But social transitioning leads to cross-sex hormones, to surgeries, to it's a, it's a uh, fast track to all that stuff. But so many parents go, well, I'll I'll give in on this one because we'll fight the battle later. No, though, that means they have that group has them as soon as they walk into a counselor's office or a doctor's office. And sad to say, even most of their teachers, hundred percent, they are there. They are theirs, and you're a stupid parent. And we have CPS going after parents. We have for standing up, and I think we must stand up and say no. I yeah. believe that more now than I ever did in the past, um, because of Dr. Grossman, Miriam Grossman's work um, and her new book. Hundred percent. There is nothing that is disconnected from the greater. Yeah. Um, there's just there's nothing. Um, and, and I think what's really just like all streams and rivers eventually reach the ocean, right? Like it's going to get there and, and some kids are fast and some kids are slow, but that's where the destination is. It's the, for a lot of parents, when they finally get clued in, they've been doing stuff for a year or more. It's been a while. Oh, absolutely. And the over-sexualization of our kids, no matter what that looks like, I don't care if your kids are heterosexual or struggling with homosexuality. The fact that that's all they talk about in middle school and high school is insane to me. Like I am more as a grown woman than, than who, you know, I'm a married in covenant with my husband woman, but like if my whole identity was Mm -hmm. our life in the bedroom, that's disturbing. Like that's like, that's not healthy to the Lord. That's not, that's not giving any, any credence to the Lord at all. So for our children to basically have their entire identity um, based on desire, like that is the most broken way to think of yourself. Like I, I don't desire sometimes to go to work, but I do it. I don't desire sometimes to be a good parent, but I choose to, I desire to love some people that drive me bananas, but I choose to going along with every whim of desire. I mean, we're setting our children up, but, but the people who are fueling that we know the the overarching thing is an agenda. It, It just is. It's a demonic agenda brought down trickled down to professionalism but when industries are informing us on how to raise our children and they stand to profit 
It is a no brainer that you need to take a step back. All of these things are in the pornography industry. Each child is $1 million. Oh, or more. And that's before they reach 18. And they are going to cost, they are going to profit medical establishments millions over the course of their life. Millions. That doesn't even factor in the psychological, like doctors are going to need to see. Because they are not helping. They're not helping. They just go with so many won't touch the suicidality and won't touch the depression and won't touch the anxiety because I'm only focused on gender or I'm focused on keeping my license if I'm a Christian. So yeah. I'm not telling the truth and helping this individual. hundred percent afraid to lose my license. Christians, yeah. by the way, you need to be afraid to lose your license because yeah. you might and you yeah. need to be bold and you need to be going into this with Christ center, not your license center. And there will be consequences. There will, it's going to get worse in some sense, but we need to fight for these kids, for these families. Um, but I, what I'm finding too, if you look at who's, who's driving a lot of this. And we think it just happened in the last two or three years. It's like, yeah. no, this has been going on for, for decades. Yeah. Well, it's been going on prior, back in biblical times. It was a very full of debauchery and full of, you know, prostitution in the church kind of thing. It was gross. We are sin bent. So yeah. we're, what we have today is not new. It feels new to us due to social media and due, due to lots of other things. But how do we actually um, be a voice? A lot of it's going to be, we need to educate ourselves. It's exactly yeah. what you do. Yeah. And the classes you have on your website, your website, by the way, is americaunchained.org. Yes. americaunchained.org. And the link will be in the description um, below. And um, but you have some classes there as well that are aimed at exactly that. Empower yourself. Yes. Learn, read, study. You don't have to look at pornography. You don't have to go read no. stories. Watch well, a couple. You don't, of- go, don't learn too much about Kinsey. I mean, learn enough to be yeah. dangerous, but like that guy was so dark. Like, do not yeah. go down. Like, I mean, unless you really feel compelled and called, right. I mean, just cover yourself with prayer because it's, it's a, these, these, it's a so dark. It's yeah. so, so dark when you start to learn that these people have been pushing this agenda into our society. They they literally knew it was going to be a slow burn. They knew it was going to take. Well, Dr. Money. So Dr. Yep. Money did his experiment on those two boys, turn one yes. girl. Oh, who, the twins. The twins. Yeah. That lauded as a success. No, one committed suicide, one died of, died of an over, overdose. Yeah. And they were an utter failure the whole time to then find out decades later that when they would go to his office once a year, he was sexually abusing them. Yeah. yeah. Like he was a pedophile himself. Yeah. Yet he is the, the God of this, this whole thing. And none of the data, none of the research that they tell you in the school, even medical, sad to say the medical field right now, it has any accurate data behind it. No, no, there's Besides, no peer reviewed studies that none. can up these bogus claims the transgender movement and any other sexuality movement is claiming they're like show me one peer-reviewed study and they are like well that's not the point i'm like that's exactly the point what you're saying is you're not you are so you can't find one because they don't the longest i believe the longest long-term stuff was done in sweden or switzerland and it's been over 25 years and it debunks anything anybody would say it's proven it does yeah and they tried to recreate it and the reason why they haven't published a lot of the recreation of that study from Sweden is they had horrible results. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> they further they proved yes. this doesn't work, but all they see are dollar signs. This is but money I, driven. But I will say this, and this is a good thing. Mm-hmm. 
We have entered into such darkness that this generation is being forced to live through Yep. because the church has been quiet and powerless Mamby Pamby, stay in your pew. Everybody be quiet. Maybe they won't notice this sort of, I'm not talking about the people. I'm not talking about the big C church. I'm talking about the little C church, the body of Christ, very different, but here's the good news. We can know enough to recognize the signs in our kids, grandkids, the kids we teach, the kids we have. And we can speaking life into the children and we can share our own testimony with them and we can actually start spending time with them we can reintroduce them to what we called board games which my children used to think was spelled b-o-r-e-d <laughs> yes <laughs> now they're like i'm bored do i have to play with those games <laughs> i'm like what oh yeah. not a board game board game let you don't know how to spell but <laughs> reintroduce them to cards like this is a time in history where relationship has been lost because if we're being honest we're distracted and the very kids we're trying to save are only lost because they're doing what their parents are doing it's yeah. a do as i say not as i do and as yeah. parents we have to start doing what we say and, and we have to set an example have a, a game night at your house and invite some friends or just do it with your kids they may kick scream rant rave and, 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 and fight you the first few times, but I guarantee you they, after 10 minutes, they're going to love it. And, and the thing is, is we become disconnected, emotionally disconnected because of our distraction. These kids want connection so desperately, their heart and their soul yearns for connection. They have enough of a dopamine hit to think they're being connected with online. However, um, it is just one of those things that I, I just have to be very compassionate towards parents, but very honest and say, listen, I, I love you. I care about you. I want to support you, but it starts with practicing what you're preaching and getting in the word more. And if you never read a book the rest of your life about the transgender movement, but you read your word and you ask God for help, it's in there. Just stay with the word. You don't have to do what Corey and I've done. If that overwhelms you and listen to 20 books or read 20 books, read a hundred books, whatever it has been over the course of the years, you can just read the Bible. Just go back to the word and say, but honey, the Bible says, but we're Christians and we follow Jesus. So this is what the Bible says, but we find our identity in Christ. So this is what the Bible says, but all right, isn't it so great, buddy? You don't have to listen to 45 people. Jesus already answered this question for us and go about it with excitement. I love that you're talking to me about this because let me tell you what the Bible says. God answered this 5,000 years ago. Isn't that amazing? God is ahead of man. God is ahead of our culture. There's nothing new under the sun. Ah, think about Romans. Think about Jude. And Kepper's kids might be like, what is she talking about? But eventually they're going to start to see God is the same. You're planting seeds of not only curiosity, but you're establishing there is nothing this world will throw at you, son, that will undo the identity you have in Christ. If you choose to truly follow him and let him him be your identity. I mean, that just comes kind of full circle of how we started this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Any blank left unfilled, you fill it with Jesus for them. Any blank left unfilled. And the reason why a lot of parents aren't, and I get it, we're too busy. Oh, yeah. Might need to cut some things out, people. Serious. Yeah. You might be, yeah. you might be in too many Bible studies, but you also might be overcommitted. Agreed. In things Agreed. And other, that your kids are overcommitted. If they're in school all day and four extracurricular activities, they're in too much. Too um, much. 
they're actually meant to be kids and play. Yeah. They learn to have play without technology. They learn how to play and use creativity. Yeah. Play Let them be bored. Legos, there's, outdoors. There's something worse than being bored, you guys. And it's yes. being constantly distracted. Yes. You'd rather than be bored. They'll find the pencil and the paper. They might whine for 15 minutes. I usually give my 10-year-old 15 minutes. I'm like, he's going to, uh, yeah. for 15 minutes. And then suddenly he finds something to do. Mm-hmm. And it's fine. You know, being bored is not a sin. It's not our job to keep our kids. And we're failing there as parents when we hundred percent we give them that quick tablet or we give them that access or we we give in and we do it out of loving heart. So I, and again, parents, a lot of what we're doing, we're doing out of out of loving heart. Sometimes out of like sometimes lazy, sometimes yeah, 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 yeah. For our but our heart tends to be I love you. So I'm trying same for when we give a kid smartphone too too young too early and they're not ready to steward such power a, yeah. an instrument that is more powerful than all the computers that took us to the moon in the 60s like so yeah. no we don't we need to have boundaries around that it's uh, not it's not a human right to have a cell phone friends when they turn 13 it's not a right of passage suddenly there are a lot of develop. There's a lot of great tools out there, smartphones that are made by companies that have sure. great limits and have no internet, no browser, no 100%. social media, which social media is another one. But um, what are well, your the- classes that you have? That you so have the two offer? classes mm-hmm. that we'll offer are Human Trafficking 101 that does give an overview of human okay. trafficking. It doesn't go super nitty gritty. It's done by a wonderful organization uh, with nice. me and them called the Lifeguard Group. Nice. Uh, he works in law enforcement. So he does, does a really good job of the overarching thing um, of that human trafficking is. And the second one is called Grooming 101. And basically it teaches parents and anyone else who has kids in their life how to just protect their kids from online grooming. Online grooming. It has downloads to, you know, that you can download and you can yes. read through. They're very easy to understand. They're very clear. They're very well done. And Wonderful. you can utilize those very easily. Almost instantly in your in your in your family what to do wonderful that's so so important so parents anyone listening take advantage of uh, of these they're very um very important this is a time that we need to actually take action we need to do something we need to not passively sit by it yes. may not be your kids but it may be that friend that comes over 100 actually a very vulnerable um child that you could see the signs and hey say hey you're that voice you're that uh, person yeah. that hears them, that sees them, that gets them, that actually brings that light back on inside of them because, because you paid attention to them. So hundred percent. Well, thank Kids you so much. Seen. Oh, you're welcome. Yes, thank Gosh, you. anytime. Yes. Such a great, we could talk probably for a few more hours. I know. So I know. <laughs> we, uh, guys, we, Corey and I are the type of people I know enough, like I yeah. know enough about what you know, and you know enough about what I know. We could ping pong all over, but long time. Yeah. But this is the most important thing. It's just learn what you can and advocate as much as you can. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Charity, so great talking with you. Look forward to talking some more soon. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to the Healing Lives with Corey Gilbert podcast. It has been an honor to serve. If you are struggling, have questions, or in need, Dr. Gilbert offers a free consultation for new clients. Check us out at healinglives.com to book a call. If this has been helpful to you, please share it, leave a review, and help us get the word out so that we can see lives changed, marriages transformed, and more people come into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. The Healing Life Center offers online courses, programs, books, intensives, and other services to help you live biblically and well. 
Discover more resources on YouTube and in Dr. Gilbert's Healing Marriage Facebook group, The Healing Marriage.